1: And now, Hebraic Roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International.
0: Shalom, I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, the Passover in John chapter 6. This is part one of the series. We're currently doing a series of teachings on Passover in this Session, we are going to be examining and studying the Passover in John chapter six. When we study Passover, when we study the scriptures in general, we need to understand some very fundamental principles when studying Passover. These principles are as follows. When we are studying what happened to the forefathers, we are studying historical events. Passover and the Egyptian redemption is historic. However, However, we need to understand as well the biblical principle that the events which happened to the forefathers, that is biblical history, are actually prophecies of what will happen to their future descendants. Because of that, we can study and understand that biblical history, in this case Passover and the Egyptian redemption, will teach us about Yeshua the Messiah because in the volume of the book it is written of him. Also biblical history and the historical Egyptian redemption and Passover will also teach us about our personal redemption in Yeshua as the Messiah. Passover the Hebrew word is Pesach is known among many things as being the festival of freedom. It's the deliverance from Egypt which is a type of the world in the world system it is the redemption to serve the God of Israel In looking at these four principles and these four elements and aspects of Passover as review because see we need to keep these principles in our minds and at the forefront of our understanding as we apply What we are going to read and study from John chapter 6. Passover is historic. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 11 and 13, it is written, And thus you shall eat it, that is the Passover lamb, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and the staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. It's not the Jewish Passover. It's the Lord's Passover. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, See, Passover is all about seeing the blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague will not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Passover, while being historic in the framework of the historical Egyptian redemption, it is also prophetic because it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, now all these things that happened unto them happened as in samples for us. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. The Egyptian redemption is also a parable about the end of days. What is a parable? A parable is an understanding that is not readily recognized and seen at the surface or at the literal or at the shot level. How do we understand that the historical Egyptian redemption is a parable about the end of days? Well, it tells us in Psalm 78 verses 1 and 2, and then verse 13, give ear O my people to my Torah, incline your ears to the words of my mouth, I will open my mouth in a parable. Give ear to my Torah, I'm going to open my mouth in a parable. The Torah that's being proclaimed is being done in a parable. And then it goes on to say he divided the sea and caused them to pass through and he made the waters to stand as a heap. This event is a parable. It teaches us about Yeshua the Messiah and it teaches us about personal relationship with him and it teaches us about the end of days. That's the unraveling of the parable. The future redemption of the house of Jacob from all the nations where they've been scattered is a parallel or like an to the historical Egyptian redemption. Hosea chapter 2 verse 15 says, And I will give her her vineyards from there in the valley of Acor. Achor in Hebrew means trouble. The valley of trouble, which is a reference to the tribulation period, for a door of hope. Why is the tribulation period going to be a door of hope? It's because she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. She will sing like she did historically in that day and then in Micah chapter 7 verse 15 it says according to the days of your coming out of the land of Egypt will I show unto him marvelous things What I show is future the future redemption is known as the song of the lamb it is the song of Zion in Psalm 137 verses 3 and 4 it is written for there they that carried us away captive the nations of the world required of us the song. A song in the Bible is an idiomatic expression that refers to the God of Israel redeeming his people. They required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mercy, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. They're mocking us. So the reply is, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? What's the strange land? The nations where the house of Jacob have been exiled. Notice the Lord's song is the song of Zion. We sing. the Singing of this song in Revelation 15 verse 3 and they sing the song of Moses that's historical servant of God and the song of the lamb that's the song of the Messiah why because Messiah is the greater Moses and Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt he was like a shepherd unto the nation of Israel that's likened unto a sheep and this was a foreshadowing of the Messiah who also would gather the exiles to not just from Egypt, but from all the nations where they have been scattered. And they say, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, thou King of saints. This is a reference back to Exodus chapter 15, verse 11, which is the words that were proclaimed when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his army were drowned. It's known as Mika Yeshua is our Passover lamb. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, it says purge out therefore the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened for even Messiah our Passover is sacrificed for us Yeshua is called our Passover Yeshua is the Lamb of the God of Israel who takes away the sins of the world John chapter 1 verse 29 it says behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world the Passover over blood of Yeshua redeems us from sin. In First Peter chapter 1 verses 18 and 19 it says for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. What's this making a reference to? The tradition of your fathers. That's the oral law. It's saying you're not redeemed by following the oral law which is today rabbinic Judaism but with the precious blood of Messiah as a lamb without blemish and without bond. Passover is personal. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 4 it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. And they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Messiah. Don't be ignorant that all... Of our father's experienced this; that they were all under the cloud they all passed to the sea they were all immersed in the Moses in the cloud and in the sea they all did eat the same spiritual meat they all did drink the same spiritual drink so in speaking to believers in Yeshua as the Messiah Rav Sha'al is reminding believers in the Messiah to identify with the events of the historical Egyptian redemption why does he want us to do that? Because the events that happen to them will happen to the final generation when the house of Jacob are gathered from all the nations where they've been scattered. The commandment back in Exodus chapter 13 verse 8 is you shall show your son in that day saying this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came forth out of Egypt. Passover has a personal application to, to all those who are in covenant relationship with the God of Israel. It's with these principles that we need to look at John chapter 6 and the event that happened there at that Passover. Also, we need to understand the principle, if we're studying Passover, when actually is the fulfillment or when is the conclusion of Passover? Well, actually, Pentecost is the conclusion or the Atzeret of Passover because the coming out of Egypt is linked with coming to Mount Sinai. And so you can't separate the two. And here in Exodus chapter 3 verse 12, the God of Israel says to Moses, Certainly I will be with you and this shall be a token unto you that I have sent you. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, that's Passover, you will serve God upon this Mount mountains the coming out of Egypt is not completed until you are serving God upon this mountain at Mount Sinai well also we need to understand that the promised land is the conclusion of Passover in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 22 it says and the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt upon Pharaoh and upon all his household before his eyes those are the Passover events and now Deuteronomy chapter 6 Verse 23, and he brought us out from there, Egypt, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore to his fathers. So coming out of Egypt is not complete until he brings us into the land which he swore unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But also, we need to understand that the Messianic era ultimately is the conclusion or the fulfillment of Passover and the Passover process. How do we understand that? In Micah chapter 7 verse 15, According to the days, plural, of your coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. So in the book, Anticipating the Redemption, written by Rebbe Schneerson, on page 104, it says the following. It is well known that this verse says As in the days, plural, of your coming out of Egypt, with emphasis being placed on the use of the plural term days. But we know that the Exodus from Egypt actually, the Torah says, took place in one day. Because it says, recall this day in which you left Egypt. Why then is Micah chapter 7 verse 15, why does it use the plural days? The answer, this is communicated to us by Rebbe Schneerson in his book In the Garden of Torah. That is because the exodus from Egypt is connected to the ultimate redemption, which is the end of the exile of Jacob from all the nations where he has been scattered. And when does that come about it's associated with the messianic era once again in the book anticipating the redemption this is what is commented on as it relates to Micah chapter 7 verse 15 that the entire sequence of time from the time of the exodus until the future redemption all of those days are considered as the days of your exodus from Egypt also on page 24 of Anticipating the Redemption by Rebbe Schneerson the same thought is communicated that the entire period beginning with the first redemption Redemption, that is from Egypt, until the ultimate redemption are the days of your coming out of the land of Egypt. How can Mount Sinai be the conclusion of Passover? How can the promised land be the conclusion of Passover? How can the messianic era be the conclusion of Passover? How can they all be the conclusion of Passover? That's because you have to understand how biblical events are fulfilled. They're fulfilled here now, but not yet. They're fulfilled initially in part, but not in their fullness. The ultimate fullness is for a later time, that they get a fulfilled initially. In type and type in in shadow. Carrying on this thought that the Messianic era is the conclusion of Passover, in Luke chapter 22, verses 15 and 16, Yeshua said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof. Eat what? The Passover. I will not eat again until it be fulfilled. Until what be fulfilled? Passover in the kingdom of of God. He's saying there's a future fulfillment of Passover that takes place in the kingdom. These are the foundations and the principles that we have to have an understanding of when we then read what takes place in John chapter 6 that being the case let's examine John chapter 6 in greater detail to begin with in John chapter 6 verse 1 the setting here is on the Sea of Galilee after these things Yeshua went over the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias. what is the significance that the events of John chapter 6 which is Passover season why is the setting the Galilee well we need to understand what historically happened in the Galilee. What historically happened is that the northern kingdom was initially taken captive from the Galilee area. And in Second Kings chapter 15 verse 29 it says, In the days of Pekah king of Israel came tiglath-pileser king of Assyria, and he took various cities and places, among them being Gilead and Galilee, which happens to be the land that was deeded to Nephtali, and came carried them away captive to Assyria. There was a series of Assyrian attacks where they came down and took the northern kingdom captive. And what we read there in 2nd Kings chapter 15 verse 29 was the first captivity. In Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 and 2, there's a prophecy of another attack coming, and the prophecy is that this one is going to be worse than the initial one in Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 and 2 it says nevertheless the dimness shall not be such as was in her vexation when at the first he lightly afflicted that's the first captivity the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali and afterward that is the future ones to come did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations now the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 the people that walked in Darkness. Who's the people that walked in darkness? The northern kingdom. And what does the phrase walking in darkness mean? It means they didn't follow Torah. That's why they were taken captive. It was punishment for not keeping the covenant that was made at Mount Sinai. So the people that walked in darkness, the prophecy is they're going to see a great light. Who's the great light? It's the Messiah. The Torah is called light. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23. And they're seeing a great light, the Messiah who is a living, walking Torah. And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, that is, exile upon them has light shine that is the Messiah and the redemption it's the Messiah who gathers the exiles of Israel in John chapter 10 verse 14 Messiah said I am the Good Shepherd this statement of being the Good Shepherd he's making an allusion or a reference back to the role of the Good Shepherd who will restore and regather the exiles of Israel one of the places where this is mentioned is Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 11 and 13. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. Who's the one that's searching for the lost sheep? It's Yahweh Elohim. So when Messiah says, I am the good shepherd, he is also, through Remez, making the statement that he is Yahweh Elohim. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and I will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. He's got to regather them and they will feed upon the mountains of Israel. And this is a reference to teaching them Torah. Ephraim is a multitude of people. In Genesis chapter 48, verse 14, and then the last part of verse 19 says, And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittily, for Manasseh was the firstborn. His younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed, that is the seed of Ephraim, he shall be a multitude of nations. In Hebrew, Melo Hagoyim. But a reference to Ephraim multiplying, he would be, in the nations, he would be a multitude of nations. With that Torah foundation and understanding, we should be able to understand understand better what's being said in Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 and 36 it says in Yeshua went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people and when they saw the multitudes this is a code word for Ephraim in the nations, because Ephraim is to be a multitude of nations. The Gospels make an allusion to the exiles by calling them the multitudes. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, and because they fainted and were scattered abroad. Notice the multitudes are scattered abroad. That's a reference to the exile having as sheep, having no shepherd. They're exiled and no one's teaching them Torah because they have no shepherd. And if they're being taught Torah, they're going to be taught who the Messiah is, which is the forgiveness of their sins. And they're going to be taught that the reason why you're exiled is because you didn't follow Torah. And so come to Messiah, get your sins forgiven and also obey the commandments of the God of Israel. In the book, From Exile to Redemption by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, he makes, this commentary that the Messiah will seek the lost sheep of the house of Jacob the Midrash relates that when Moshe Rabbeinu noticed one day that a lamb had run away from the flock and had strayed in the wilderness he left the flock and ran after it in order to bring it back from this we can learn how meaningful every Jew or biblically we should read that everyone that's in covenant relationship with the God of Israel is in the eyes of Moshe Rabbeinu even if he is a Jew who has run away from the flock. And since the first Redeemer, that is Moshe, is also the last Redeemer, that is the Messiah, it is clear that what is true of Moshe is likewise true of the Messiah. With that context, look at what it says in Mark chapter 6 verse 34, which is a parallel text to John chapter 6. And it says, in. Yeshua, when he came out, saw much people. And if you look that up in the Greek, it's the same Greek word that's translated as multitude in other places. He saw the multitude, which is a reference to the exiles and the nations. He was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject, the Passover in John chapter 6. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.